This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. My name is Keen, and never eat your own shrimp. And my name is James. Life gave me lemons, and then they took them away too fast. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Welcome to Sissy Dead Pod. We're chatting about RuPaul's Drag Race UK versus the world. And I must say, I got very sentimental seeing Cheryl Hole and Bag of Chips and Blue walk into that, that runway. Back to our OG season of season one of UK. Oh, I know. I was thinking back to that, like November 2019, the, the success the that was to follow days. is only with the, the Halcyon days <laughs> sitting in that studio up above Gay Spar, making our podcast dreams come true. Wasn't it amazing? <laughs> We've been on this journey too. We're, we're now we're all, are we all stars versus the world. <laughs> I, I think we are wall stars. I think we are all stars or wall stars. <laughs> this, I have to say, I really, really, enjoyed this episode it's St Bridget's Day I'd got myself a nice scone and some jam and I was like I'll have that while I watch Drag Race and I was so compelled with the episode I totally forgot about it I mean it, it, it jammed up your plans what more can I say? <laughs> but no, I have to say, like, I'm I'm really, really enjoying season 14. The queens on it are super strong. And it, like, with this new season, I was kind of a little bit like, oh, we're going to be recording two evenings during the week. And that's an awful lot of time to be devoting to Drag Race. And now I'm like, I'm obsessed. I'm like, I don't want, I want more than six episodes. But we also have a fantastic guest this oh week my as well. God, like we're so firing on all cylinders. Firing on all cylinders. I mean, this is, you don't know people, but we are recording at, we were burning the midnight oil. Very almost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can do my wordle in half an hour. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> yes. Author, podcaster, Carolina Donahue is here to chalk up the first episode of the new spin-off. So let's get into it. Caroline O'Donoghue, thank you for jumping on. Are you, how excited are you for this for this you know spinoff? Very very excited. Um, I, so I watched the Meet the Queens, and I I thought it was one of the best pitched Meet the Queens that I've seen in a while. Just because I think that sort of that reckoning with the fact that it does feel like they're Mortal Kombat players now at this mm-hmm. point. It does sort yeah. of feel like you are, you do have um, like a like a Marvel universe that's just chock full of dick jokes, and it's like <laughs> and everyone has their their strengths and their weaknesses, and they're doing their little fighter poses. And I just thought it was very cute, but then I immediately got a little frightened. I don't know if you had the same thing, where I just didn't feel like the voiceover or the staging was giving it the prestige I needed. Yeah, there was a bit of that, like the 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 Cheryl Hole up your bum, no babies being announced. Yeah. And up your bum, doing. no babies. It was like, yeah, <laughs> I, what? I, I was like, I, don't, I was like, is this re- is this really giving Drag Race the respect it deserves? I, I know. Don't... <laughs> I know. I, I think as well because I'd heard it. I'd heard um, ruins of the ads referring to like, oh, the, our, our first world competition, and this year is you, the UK is our host country, and I was like, oh my god, it's going to be like the Eurovision. It's I'd like, love if it was, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. like like it's going to be camp, but it's going to be in its own weird way prestigious. And then, so then I kind of got a slight palpitation when it started. I was like, oh, are they taking this seriously enough? Is this, is this like, is this a hollow slave spectacular? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've been bitten few, several times I know. before. I know. Right? A secret celebrity drag race. No one wants to go through that again. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. On the topic of secret celebrity drag race, the, the the screen of mystery is out again. And it actually took me a while to work out why we were doing the entrances in the runway rather than the workroom. And obviously it was to use that screen. But really, I didn't think it got to maybe about 
like lemon but until it kind of got exciting because you could hear all the queens get excited about who it was the first four or five were kind of just like you know awkward yeah entrances it's like oh yeah it's the cock destroyers it's like yeah. okay <laughs> grand i suppose i i like i i get the idea as well with using the the main stage for the entrance as kind of like this is upping the ante this is bringing it to another mm. level but there was a bit of me that like i missed to like walk into the workroom and them all like kind of standing naturally around the table and that kind of environment because it, it felt a bit staged them all and then rupaul out and is like hype for higher bit kind of you know like <laughs> rupaul you know. and a cherry picker i just was like what's going on <laughs> And we all know, we all it. know they had to be like, guys, uh, can you just look over there yeah. while Rune As, gets... But I, did, I was wondering, you get you get offended, Keen, at the size of like the back of an Ikea chair on the judging <laughs> panel. So how are you feeling with this sort of like, I don't know. Well, this... as someone who works in the construction industry, it was a nice merging of worlds for me. To... <laughs> Um, although I don't know if you did notice Rue actually operating it. Uh, I saw his... that at the end, yeah. <laughs> he had to, you could see him, like he put his hand on the knob to move it forward and then he said, win. And then he pushed it and he went. <laughs> 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 Whose entrance look impressed you the most, Caroline? Uh, God, you know what? Uh, it was Jimbo on everything. Every time I saw Jimbo, I just gasped. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um and it and like just as a as a whole kind of journey, it was just so gratifying to see that queen finally get the respect she deserves for doing the absolute fucking most mental shit I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I mean completely. And I think it's like it actually it has behooved Jimbo that Rue seems to have entered this like wacky new phase of really being into like the completely ridiculous. Because like a couple of yeah. years ago, I don't think we would have got that. But now uh, he was just like, oh my God, guys, have you seen this? This guy's throwing ham about the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine someone throwing Billy Roll as RuPaul in season two. They would be yeah. like executed. <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's ma- it, it, does, it feels like on certain uh, Drag Race episodes now, we're just waiting to see when Ru's edible kicks in. And it's just like... <laughs> Oh, no, no. <laughs> we're here and it's now. I have to say my two favourite looks were uh, Monique Hart, who seems to be going by the full Monique in this episode, not the Mo Hart in the mm-hmm. promo for some reason. I really, I think she's going to wa- wipe the floor with the other contestants with regards to her looks, it looks like. And I thought Jamie Jacquet looked fantastic in that sort of blue. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yes. Yeah, I, I also, I did love Lemon's look. I thought it was stunning. And we will need to have like a moment of silence for Lemon because honestly, this was a devastating judging in my in my book. <laughs> oh, yeah, dev- it really did feel preordained, didn't it? I don't know whether you prefer to wait until we've gone through yeah. Lemon's short yeah. journey. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that maybe a bit, bit towards the end. But yeah, sure. it, it, I thought it was interesting how Blue sort of called out how the mood sort of changed when the US queens walked in and how it kind of got more catty. And I mean, we've seen this on, you know, Celebrity Big Brother and stuff like that. When American contestants come in, it's all about the game. But like, you know, Monique really came in as the villain or something like that. Like she's like, I don't remember her being that nasty before. Like she could stand up for herself, but she was like straight up nasty, I thought. This is it. I think this is going to be the real reason we all watch this show, right? Obviously, you know, they're all very talented. That We're all great to watch. But, like, it's it's watching these dynamics unfold. Because there's so much you can imply just, and, and put together just by sort of Monique's performances or whatever. Or the atmosphere shifts that they're all kind of clocking. Because we have to, like, I think, like, 
only really the biggest of the US drag queens would have toured over in the UK. And obviously we all know the drug the drag infrastructure is so different in the UK and Europe and it is scrappier and it is smaller. And I think they do come from like, you know, your Monique's, your Lisa Edwards come from these quite grand traditions of like, yeah, you are and we had saw that with the drama with her in blue. Like, you are kind of my inferior. I am the visiting talent. I did enough grunt work at your level and now you'll and there's no aspiration to improve the system. It's like, and now it is my turn to treat people like shit. And uh and so that's really fascinating to watch. And I think that people can can't really get away with that in the UK drag queen on the same level because you know there's too few bookers it's like it's too small you need to be nice to everybody you know yeah and you're you're playing to like overall even on Drag Race UK you're sp- playing to a smaller audience in some ways so you don't have that like fan base there that you can build even if you are kind of a a more combative queen um but I did think it was interesting that Monique decided to come in and like really just lay it down from the moment kind of like I'm better than you bitches and I'm here to win like I think that like that you need to be very confident in your abilities to win if you aren't thinking well this is probably going to be an all-stars rules style of thing I've been through that before I understand how important it is to have people in the Mm -hmm. competition who have your back because now I would say with Monique you know there's going to be people gunning for her now (laughs) because she's after like putting so many people's backs out yeah I generally kind of held my breath when Blue brought up Belfast <laughs> or was it Scotland I can't remember where they were I was like oh god this isn't gonna end well this is like a sort of Jerry Springer moment and then when she had this moment of like oh well that's my bad you know I was like oh god this is 360 from her and Jujube <laughs> being like what Waldorf and such and such the two grumpy men and the Muppets oh, yeah. <laughs> clocking clocking baggers black brand stuff. Yeah. and also like I know Juju's a legend and, and we love her and, and you wouldn't be a Drag Race fan if you didn't adore Juju um, but like I was like Juju you've got no right to be in this conversation do you know what I mean like the kind of the tat she was wearing this this episode do you know what I mean I, I was like yes. I feel like one of the one of her bags must have been lost at the airport and so she was like oh fuck I just have my day wear sort of mid noughties Real Housewives collection here like yeah. I didn't quite get what she was getting off criticizing oh. what people's looks no, she was like if I'm doing this again loose. Yeah, if yeah. I'm doing this again, I'm bringing stuff I already have. I'm not getting anything made. But I, because I, I yeah. did not, on her look, her look on the runway was super basic, and even like the way she was holding it, like it was kind of exposing the kind of panty bit, which you know just made it look super cheap. And it was, you know, like, on this stage, you want to see something really, really elevated. And if you're gonna be kind of like sitting there kikiing with with Monique about kind of like little tiny details in other people's yeah. costumes, you want to make sure that your costumes are at a level where people aren't going to call you out for it. Totally. And that exposed panty moment, like you kind of kept waiting for there to be a joke with the, with the, with the knickers, like there to be yeah. bejeweled or there to be like her turn around and flash the ass and there'd be something on it or something like, but it was just nothing. It was just her looking a bit shy, you know? Yes. Mm. Yeah. 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 It was, it was strange. Um, and I suppose we'll get to her performance as well. I thought she's, she kind of phoned it in this episode. Mm. Um, now, English language corner with bag of chips that was going on there. Like we've all, I mean, I definitely have met somebody from outside of Ireland or the UK and tried to tell them your swear words. I can't think of how many words I'd get you before I got to slap her. Do you know, I just, I, I found that a bit cringe. 
I felt like there's there's always something there's something a bit youth hostile, isn't there? About like, <laughs> oh like so guys, I'm from this little country you may not have heard of. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's a bit like in Ireland we say schlonta everyone when we do a cheers. Isn't, oh god. Doesn't make that make me the main character of this bunk bed? Like <laughs> Or the amount of times you have to witness people explain what the crack, what, what like what's the crack, and how to explain that, and it's just uh, painful. There's yeah. nothing more embarrassing to me than when someone doubles down on their culture as a point of difference, especially when they come from a predominantly white culture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's like do you know when like uh, this is sorry, it's a fucking total uh, segue, but. Do you know when like Irish people go really folksy in front of English people? Yes. Like they try and mm-hmm. pretend like they actually give a shit about fairy forts. And it's like you don't. <laughs> However, I did crack up um, at Baga's line where she was like, "I want to teach them about steak bakes. I want to teach them about Prince Andrew who had Pizza Express." Yes, yes that, that was because I, I was I was on like a bit of a wild ride with Baga throughout this episode where I kind of found that they were doing too much a lot of the time, but then they like sort of fall back into that more comfortable role where it was like, "Oh, no, you're really funny. Stop putting on this show and just like go back into being natural." Because even the over reliance on the the whole like much better thing, and then walking into the middle of the workroom to give that little speech about like. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Just like, what is going on with you, Baga? <laughs> and it was quite hard to tell. I found it very hard to judge in that moment when she just sort of gave that speech to the workroom. Um, yeah. How 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 ironic it was supposed to be. Yeah, it had shades of. Do you remember Silky Ganache had that um, that like kind of like oh attitude oh, check, oh. attitude check. It kind of yeah. had a, a, kind of a, a shade of that with everyone else in the room just being like, no, okay, we're not we're, <laughs> we're not engaging. <laughs> <laughs> it was the classic demand attention rather than command attention. You know? yes. Really, really classic. Wise. Classic, classic. <laughs> as, as a general note for the UK queens, I found it very interesting because, like, you know, if if we were to rank the seasons in terms of like global influence or importance, it's obviously the US first and then the UK in terms of like how hmm. much global viewership they're going to get. And so, obviously, the UK queens have been dreaming of an all stars for years. Yes, and they're all making that classic all stars mistake, which is repeat your catchphrase and repeat your catchphrase and, and have a t-shirt that says your catchphrase. Like the amount of times Blue said, oh, mommy. Ooh, mommy. I, I, at some point I was like, they have to be just editing that in. Like, they yeah, have they to be, must they, be. They have to be like editing that in because like we, every, it's, it's like every single talent going, oh, mommy, like right the way through. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard someone from Northern Ireland say that. Yeah, I don't think it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> we obviously have to like go hang around. Thing, that's grand, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we go hang around some some Belfast youth hostels and see what sort of lingo they try to teach us. So in Belfast, we say mummy. And I suppose uh, I thought there was an interesting juxtaposition after Baga's cringy language corner. Then you have a chat between Janie and Pangina and, with like the most impeccable mm. English. I mean, I'm sure they're beating me at Wordle every single day. Like mm-hmm. they're just like they're so. Just like she's just so intelligent and so like linguistically challenged, leave bag of chips like just talking about sausage rolls. It's just such a fucking bonkers. Th- this is kind of what I, what I was because I, I I had a note here that the dynamic in the workroom felt a little bit strange because it was like one half of it it seemed like there was like real conversation like there's the real conversation between Lemon and Blue about whether herself and Jimbo and obviously that was foreshadowing what was going to come towards the end of it but that was like real like an authentic relationship. Then you had this like you know BBC language corner going on over here and like Baga's big speech in the middle of the room and then also the Pangina and and Janie thing and I was like there's so many people doing bits but I'm also seeing some of people just being natural that I found it kind of a bit like I don't know I couldn't find where to settle with it 
Yeah, yeah. It, it was funny because, like, obviously we've got to know Pangina as a judge, but you can't really get to know someone as a judge because that is, you know, it's implicitly a, a job rather than, like, a yes. reality TV kind of personality you're creating for yourself in the same way. And it was so, it was just like, just having Pangina on just felt like a gag immediately anyway. Just like, oh, wow, like someone who's been behind the table is now yeah. with us in the, in the fucking pen, you know? And, uh... What, what her energy I just found was lovely throughout oh so lovely so gentle and like had such a caring like way about her even and when she was speaking both to, to Lemon and to because I, I think there was a very big juxtaposition between say when Lemon and um when Lemon and Janie were speaking to Jimbo versus uh versus mm. um Pangina like Jimbo just like Jimbo I think is going to be the villain of the season I'm calling it there I know I just said a while ago that Monique was but I think that there's going to be a kind of a a very Machiavellian streak that'll emerge in, in, in Jimbo. Because I feel like Jimbo threw the lip sync this week so that he wouldn't have to send Lemon home, but he knew that Lemon was a bigger competitor than Janie. But anyway, that's just me, conspiracy corner. No, no but it's a good point because this this is our obviously our first sort of lip sync for your legacy situation that we had, but there's no cash prize. So, so there's, there's no, no good reason to win. Yeah. Because of the, you you win the right to become evil to your competitors. Like, <laughs> Yeah, true. And it pisses me off that there's no money, but there's nothing I guess we can do about it. And I was je- like, the old hoodwink of get to do a duet at Rue, you're like, oh, that's new and novel. How does that work? And then I was like, ah, because there's no fucking money. <laughs> Got my play here. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel Jimbo and Bagger are on this really sort of aloof shit where they just like, are going to be purposely weird and expect people to to love them whereas Pangina is like really modest and like casually drops in that she owns a nightclub like she basically oh. like is like the boss of the queens of Thailand like also, and it's like it's just so good. the most stunningly beautiful man like mm. oh in my most, god like just like that that is you know crazy rich Asians perfection right there like absolutely beautiful Stun- did that little vest on him Oh, gorge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, right, let's get into this yeah. talent show. Let's get into the talent show. First up was Lemon. Okay. James, I'll let you lead the way. You you are um you've got you've you stuck your st- your flag in Lemon on Twitter and <laughs> I I thought this was the best performance. I thought this was a genuinely a song that I would Okay, right. It wasn't the best performance, but I thought that this song is like one of the best songs that I've heard off any of these like Drag Race talent shows. It's one that I would actively go back and listen to. It had a very similar energy to that like collab that she did with Priyanka, but I loved it. And I I thought that like fair enough, her face was a little bit kind of, it didn't really have a huge amount of energy and there was like a slowness to the dance moves that perhaps she could have fixed. But like, honestly, of the songs sung on the stage tonight, it was definitely safe. At least, like there was no, yeah, like I, I preferred this to Monique safe. and Jujo. Yeah, absolutely. And when, and when she was, um, you know, not safe, I assumed it was because she was in the top. I, I really did. Uh, me too. I thought that she was going to be one of the, the top, maybe not, not the top two, but certainly I thought one of the better critiqued of the of the group. So I found the dancing so distracting. I felt it was so lackluster and like not to slander our, our queen Britney Spears but like peak like you know dead behind the eyes Britney Spears like just going through the motions it was like she was in rehearsals she gave it literally nothing and it was so distracting because I was like this rap is so good and it's so funny and it's so yeah. witty that I'm just being distracted and then I'm like oh a split okay and I, I honestly was like she she's in the bottom two uh, after oh, the first minute I saw wow. it wow 
Arguments, I love it. Oh, uh, well. No, I'm firmly on James's side with that. Like, yes, yeah, I, I think that there, there was obviously a performance anxiety. There's no doubt that she can dance. Obviously, she can dance. Mm. But you can see there was a performance anxiety thing where she was kind of counting herself in a little bit at the same time while trying to lip sync an incredibly dense, fast, you know, yeah. rap kind of thing. And as we know, Lemon is a rapstress. She coined yeah. the phrase. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, she's but, also but, like a trained dancer. And that's why I expect more. Like when Brooklyn Heights gets up and dance, she does not disappoint. And that's the kind of what, from someone who brags to be a dancer, that's kind of what I expect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think that first of all, the, well, the judges' critiques to Lemon about it being, oh, we've seen it before. First yeah, of all, I'm assuming that they were they were Aja. referring to the ra- to the Aja kind of death mm. drop. But Aja, de- Aja death dropped. She didn't split. So there you go. Um, <laughs> but I just I just thought it's very unfair because they're all basically doing the same thing. They're all like singing original songs or doing kind of like dance numbers. And I would argue that the thing we got off Janie was like much much like the fact that they were like oh at least it was original it's like no it wasn't we saw milk do a version of this better with like the paper dress characters in in all stars in all stars three like we've had people do kind of reveal based performances as well so i i found that kind of frustrating um the way they were trying to position it obviously that lemon was at the bottom of the uh, the pack because that's what it felt like to me and i was unhappy with it totally i think we'll get to it but i think someone like baga's uh, performance was way weaker than Lemon's. Mm, much, and, much weaker. Yeah, and like for me, Lemon's song was the the quintessential what you go into a Drag Race talent show song with. In that, it's something. It's like a like a club hit that is catchy as fuck. That's incredibly dense with jokes. That as soon as you're done hearing one joke, you're hearing another joke. Like really clever rhyming schemes, and it's just like it, it's it just it just really kept you kept you going as opposed to the, what we'll what I'll refer to later on as. <laughs> The curse of the queen with the medium good voice, <laughs> which is something that that Juju's got into this week, and something that Eureka got into in an All Stars seasons past. And you always get this queen who's got an okay voice and is like probably pretty good in a small club or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and thinks she can command a minute and a half of television with a sort of a mid paced ballad, and it never works out. No, it it never does. And I have to say. Monique and Juju this year really were like the best advertisement you could ever have for why we need the US to keep their grubby hands off Eurovision because they are too sincere <laughs> and they don't know how to be camping. I have to themselves. say, I found Monique very I compelling. I don't know why. After Lemon, I was like, God, she, she, I, she kept my attention on the screen. Now, I don't know, really know what the song was or who was singing what line at any point. There was like 14 different Monique singing. It was really echoey. But I kind of liked the sort of... Like, uh, I don't know, funk no, of there, it all. Was, I thought the, she was, yeah, like, the presence yeah. was amazing. I, I loved the outfit. I, I thought that she was giving like an amazing kind of Tina Turner moment in yeah. the look. But I found the song kind of dull. Like, I just I just wasn't into the... I, I also think, and this could just be production trying to make us turn against Lemon. The, the volume was down. And I don't know what that was about. Like, it wasn't... Like, when you hear Monique's song or... Um, how, you know, I guess some of them sang live. No, Baggett didn't sing live. Like, it just the volume was more up. Like, it was just mixed, really. And that might not be her fault. Or it might just be how it's recorded in, her, in the room. But it just ends up me being less compelling viewing. Whereas Monique's, like, came in at a good level. And I don't know. I just liked it more. Yeah. To me, I was like, this is the best Prince song I've never heard. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, but the thing is, what was so great about it was, um, to me anyway, and I loved it, was the... 
you know, we're, we're, we know what a Drag Race song sounds like. And like mm. and I, just, I said, Le- Lemon is a great example of what a Drag Race song sounds like. You know, dense, yeah. jokey, fast, whatever. Um, but this just sonically sounded different to anything that anyone mm. ever brings true. to this competition. That is very true, actually, yeah. yeah. And just musically, I was just really in awe of it. I was like, I, I could see myself listening to this. Yeah. The one thing I had throughout all of Monique's um, performance was because the fringe was cut into this kind of way where it kind of sort of flopped over a bit. Every time she would do the flick, because mm. of her history on the show, I was like, oh my God, is her wig going to come off? Oh <laughs> and then I thought, when she was reading other people's wig lines, why didn't any of them go, well, at least we kept our wig on, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> if she was smart, she would have gotten like a fishing wire on the wig and just have it fucking lift up. Like, that would be... <laughs> Somebody on that the cherry picker with RuPaul is just <laughs> fishing it off. <laughs> Um, I think that's one of the best like frames of of cinema in Drag Race history is just uh, Monique's wig on the beams on the raft. Yes, oh my god, <laughs> absolutely iconic. I mean, someone needs to meme that up with just like the still of that and like some Monday meme would definitely work. <laughs> Hang in there, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Janie Decay was up next and I found myself really rooting for Janie in this episode I didn't like I thought she was good I definitely wasn't behind her in Holland but I don't know she just I really warmed to her and I was just still disappointed you know it, it, uh, I, I, I was I found myself looking for what was good about it rather than you know actually evaluating it based on its merits this struck me as a Coco Montrese moment as, uh, and that's the mm. famous thing with that episode, right? Yeah. She was yeah. going to do like a Janet Jackson song or something like that, and she didn't get the clearance for it. And uh, then she had to sort of put together this weird burlesque sort of thing yeah. that haunts me to my days. Just her dressed as like a little girl or like, oh, oh, a country's housewife. It was oh, fucking strange. It hurt me, the artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, this struck me as that, as something went wrong and she had to put together something else. Okay. And they and they couldn't acknowledge it because it's too, you know, acknowledging production is kind of a no no. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's why they went easy on her because both the both the other contestants and the judges, even though she didn't end up at the bottom, but she wasn't eviscerated, mm. uh, was because everyone kind of knew there was something else at play. That would yeah, make maybe. sense because the like in in another season in another context that reveal where you have like the dead arms hanging out from underneath <laughs> the bottom of your shirt like that would have they would like be a shade button zoom in yes, on that and it, it would be felt something very gentle yeah and it was like Michelle would be like that's unacceptable like rather than kind of like gently so I mean that that could be it and it did feel like very basic as a performance it was kind of just like this striptease but without like any kind of like burlesque finesse to I it. I thought we so. were getting. We're, I thought we were going to get full nude by the end and just like a sort of like nipple tassel or something. I thought that's the way it was going. You're, well, if yeah. you remember, they had to do that nude photo shoot on um, Drag Race Holland season one, and Janie was just meandering about the place with their dick out. So, <laughs> like, perhaps that could have been their talent. <laughs> yeah, it's like. I, I think it also didn't help that she like the song wasn't particularly compelling yeah, and she wasn't w- really lip syncing. It was baffling and it was awkward. You know, it it, it it did sort of feel like and not I'm not just saying this because she's from Holland, but it did feel like, you know, the end of a really long night out, you know, where you like go into some random basement club and oh this guy has let in and oh it's only fifteen quid and you're like, that feels like a lot for what we're doing and then you just go down <laughs> and there's some random yes. one just taking a clothes off and you're like <laughs> 
Is this fun? Are we still having fun? This feels <laughs> awkward. It's awkward and it's seedy. Well, I actually have written here in my notes about it. Messy 3am club night. Like literally. Oh, <laughs> We've been on the same night out, clearly. <laughs> One of those weird buildings on Leeson Street that like has a basement that you don't expect to find. Which right, which is what drag is about, right? Yeah. That is that is a, a lens of drag, and it's an important lens of drag is you having a night that you're no longer enjoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the essence of drag is to keep the night enjoyable. Not be the turning point around which that revelation occurs. <laughs> Okay, well, somebody who I think might have saved a late night one was Bag of Chips in her French-made costume. At times, this sounded like a, like a, like morning TV show jingle. It was the music was all over the place. This was very strange. I yeah. Do you remember when in Harry Potter when the Dementors were near and he would have all the whispering in his head? Like that's what I felt like watching this because there was it was like there was Baga singing, but then there was also like you know sound clips of Baga speaking, and it was very distracting. And it was kind of like you know uh, All Stars Two era where you come back with a song with your catchphrase in it, your brand count stunning, mm-hmm. your kind of like back rolls, like and that's you 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 just push it out there. And I I felt I was trying to decide is it like was it good because she was ridiculing that by being so obnoxious with the way in which she was kind of like hammering home it or was it that she wasn't maybe necessarily intelligent enough to realise that that's kind of what she was doing I couldn't decide this is the question that hangs over the back of this entire episode I think is like <laughs> is this ironic because it didn't feel like it is yeah, yeah. are we laughing with her or at her we don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I found it so uncomfortable. The um, the, the, but like I can, I could kind of, I could get that the fragments of what she meant. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Of like uh, the sort of um, we're all going on a summer holiday. Is it Cliff Richard who does that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cliff Richard. Um, that that it started out with very British pop song seventies vibe, and I was like, I understand that frame of reference and that aesthetic. But then it just kind of turned into this, again, a mid-tempo ballad that is just like, you know, now that I love you, I'm much better. And it's like, <laughs> it try, was, three trying to turn much together. better into something. Yeah. What? Yeah, it really was. Three songs like merged together and it kind of went like verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, bridge, chorus. <laughs> but like every chorus was different. It was strange. And... I sorry, I've just, and I've just realised why she was wearing a maid costume because of because... The, the the costume and thing. I I was just thinking, I was like, she'd have been better disconnecting that and like yeah. doing it like a more British style mm. like, costume because like it kind of felt like it was kind of like being all British and like campy, but then in French maids uniform, I don't know, it was confusing. Yeah, very yeah. didn't hated it. Yeah. I, I really think that deserved to be in the bottom. Over I, I mean, and when you when you couple that with the look as well, like yeah, the, I like yeah. the runway look. I mean, the floppiest sword I've ever seen. <laughs> um, yeah, from the bizarre to the even more bizarre, Jimbo and his absolutely terrifying <laughs> Billy Roll chucking <laughs> empty I box of, of talent. Yeah. Obsessed. So good. I I must. I, Hats off to them, like they are such a commanding presence on stage, and it was such a compelling act. I generally felt it it lacked a climax, like a ah uh, that's that You're that's right. why we You're had right. this person in front of us. I didn't get that. 
Yeah, I'd completely agree with that. Um, I don't know, do, do either of you watch Rick and Morty? Mm-hmm. No. Okay, do you remember? It, the... it, it felt like a Rick and Morty joke, didn't it? It yeah. did, but also that character, the Mr. Meesick thing that was in Rick and Morty, the, like the weird yes. sort of like sperm-like thing like that. I, 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 I don't know, I found it very bizarre. I couldn't, dis- I didn't really know if I was enjoying it until the very, very end when he <laughs> threw the ham at RuPaul. And then I was like, okay, yeah. I am enjoying this. I I just fucking loved it, lads. I was obsessed. I think as well the sort of the trajectory of um of Jimbo being this queen who the the back on Drag Race Canada season one who we all saw was obviously brilliant and obviously their brain was working at a different frequency and so clearly didn't fit into this um very prescriptive mold that so many of yeah. the fans are are also bored of mm. and um and wasn't going to change their drag to fit into it. To see them, like, have gotten all that horrible criticism from very, very ignorant criticism on on Canada's yeah. Drag Race, and then to double down and go fucking weirder, mm. <laughs> and then for it to pay off is was very satisfying. And I also just found it like just him like clapping the ham into the into the talent box. It just made no sense, but I loved it. <laughs> I, I did like I think the biggest laugh of my entire epi- of the entire episode for me was the kind of like the reveal of the talent box and then opening the talent box and there was nothing in- like I, that yeah. is one of the best things we've had on Drag Race I, I, and it is yeah. like it does really speak to like what an interesting performer Jimbo is like I'd actually love to see Jimbo perform on Dragula because I think that with the briefs that they're giving and the freedom they're giving to be creative I think mm. Jimbo could do some absolutely amazing stuff but yeah I, yeah. I, yeah, very confusing overall. I was like, not what I was expecting to see tonight. <laughs> I wonder, for me, was it maybe slightly a victim of the edit? Like, because with that box, like, you expected to, to, like, the rule of three. Why didn't he do it the third time? So maybe there was more of a narrative that, like, they had to just chop down for time and that was missed. <laughs> but, uh, like, it made you want more by the end of it. And you can't say that for a lot of the lot of the, the talents I think that we saw today. <laughs> and, and like the, the last time I had that kind of reaction to a uh, talent like that was, was Tatiana with same parts where mm. it was like, I've not seen this on this show before and I probably won't see it again. And yeah. this is a precious moment. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Cherish it. It's like if you, in season 14, we've just had one of those bizarre talents where someone sort of, did some sort of a wellness dance to Enya ending with them bringing a toaster into a bathtub. So like, and you're like, this is not something you're going to see again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next up was Cheryl, who kind of, it was, I wouldn't say it was a song because she didn't sing and I wouldn't say a rap because it wasn't fast enough. It was spoken word dubstep comedy dance is what I've written down. It's exactly what you expect, right? Yeah. I just, I've got a lot of love for, for Cheryl on this season in general. And I think that it, there's something very unique about the Essex. Essex is my, my boyfriend's from Essex. And uh, that county just <coughs> pumps out reality TV figures. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very interesting personality trait that they've created for themselves. Um, whether this is before rea- the reality boom or not, I don't know. But this thing of these people who consistently... Um, play themselves down, dumb themselves down for the camera, being like, oh, I'm a bit mediocre, I'm a bit shit, I'm a bit this, I'm a bit fatter than I was last time and all that. And they do this and they build this kind of wall of like, I'm a bit shit. And then they wait for someone to underestimate them and then sort of undercut them. You see it yeah. all the time on Come Dine With Me of like, yes. oh, you think I'm a bit thick then, do you? It's like, well, you, you've been saying you're thick. Like, and, then it, <laughs> and then they become the, the hero, you know? <laughs> 
they're really good at underdogging themselves they they are and I think and like Cheryl has sort of made a like a career out of that with like a nod and a wink to like the sort of whole thing and I have to say Cheryl was the only person in the like introductions where I did like a big involuntary like clap when she when she (laughs) same same (laughs) that's cute Um, now look I love Juju B. One of my favorite queens. You know, there's very few things that I love with my all my chest. Shakira, custard, Juju B would be one of them. And <laughs> I really don't understand how she got through this week. It's like mm. she did us a song in All Stars Five, and she probably didn't deserve to get through there. She was eliminated from Queen of the Universe in the first after the first song, and this back for more. Ironically, did not want me back for more. It was dull. I just don't understand why she didn't lean into the humour more. Like, people love how funny she can be. And I thought, like, she's a, a fine voice, but it was extraordinarily bland. Like, mm-hmm. it was... It did remind me, you, you mentioned Eureka's performance with, the like, the mother projected onto the massive skirt and the, like... <laughs> you know, the, the sort of, you know, the sort of, like, come through mama, whatever yeah. it was. But, like, it had that same sort of, like, I'm singing about something sincere and I'm going to, like hold my face really kind of tightly so you know that I care Uh, but it was just really 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 boring and cringy do you know what I mean it's cringy to bring that level of sincerity to to drag race I remember feeling the same way when um when Trixie did I think she did moving parts yeah oh I liked that though I guess maybe because she had an instrument it was a little bit better but it just I don't know. It felt like it. it just feels like a downer for somebody to bring something to a ballad place and to not even give, yeah. give you a wink or put a joke in there. You're just like, oh, I guess, I guess you have an okay voice. Yeah, I found it cringy because I'm kind of like, we're never gonna take this singing career seriously. I know. I, I feel know. bad saying that because I love her so much, but I'm just like, you've really tried. Like, bless you. I know you love it, and you've tried, but it's it's just not working again. You know that the theory that a person never truly moves on from the first traumatic event of their lives, mm. and for Juju B, that was the uh, season two episode where she fluffed the singing challenge, even though she was supposed to be the one with the strong mm-hmm. voice. Yeah. Yes. And now every subsequent appearance on Drag Race has to be about her proving she can sing okay (laughs) she just wants everyone to know she can sing better than pandora box that's all she needs and you know the thing is it it wasn't that the singing was bad it just was the song was unremarkable that Mm. it didn't get you to invest in the singing and if Mm. you and if you want a dull song that's good at singing then you need it to be like you need to be whitney houston or something you know i I do think as well that like we've seen enough of these talent show parts talent show elements of of um drag race now to know that like you really aren't rewarded if you try to do something too outside the box unless you're you're Mm. really like you know unless you're going to do something like Jimbo um or or Tatiana and so like there's limited enough places for you to go and I don't think Jujubee's not a dancer and like comedy is the kiss of death so kind of I suppose in a way maybe this was all like she could do in a way where she felt like she would get away with it safely we've seen people be rewarded or skate by just for doing something a bit different like um manila doing her weird upside down painting thing or someone that should have been in the top that time yeah yeah or like um someone sawing a dress in under a minute and like Mm. i I always find that stuff to be a breath of fresh air and i always remember them more than the songs i don't know why more kind of like you know 
less conventionally talented dancing or singing queens don't do that stuff like they can't be that hard to come up with you know yeah because it wasn't a trinity did that sort of yeah, the the talking tutorial. Like, tutorial which was yeah. basically just singing a song but like with a kind of a a bit of a, a, a gag involved in it mm. but yeah, yeah it would have been it would have been nice to see juju kind of use a bit more of I suppose what she's known for which is the kind of humor and that like nod to to like yeah. that kind of wittiness rather than just kind of come out and do this very bland song especially when she's had to have known going into this that she was going to get so much attention for going back for like a fifth time mm. yeah Pangina Heels is up next and I just think compared to Lemon like this is how you knock it out of the park like it was a plenty of attack it was you know yeah okay it wasn't as lyrically sharp as Lemon's but like it was so engaging and the way she changed it up and told us about that dance where she popped her elbow out of her socket and then that split at the end with the with the hands coming to get overhead she just slides down to a splits was like jaw dropping oh, I wrote in my notes sometimes drag is just seeing a very cool person <laughs> Put down the t-shirt. <laughs> but you, you know, like, it was giving me that sort of you know, the, um, back in season two. You know when Raja came on and it yeah. was like, oh shit, kind of thing. You're a cool person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was Panjaya was giving me that same thing of like, wow, I'm just, I'm cool because I'm watching this, mm. which yes, I yeah. haven't felt about Drag Race for many years. Sure, I felt yeah. lightly embarrassed about how obsessed <laughs> that I am. But like seeing, seeing how like genuinely fucking cool Pangina is I was like this is a cool show again yeah. yeah and especially because it's like it's someone who is so fully realised and so exceptionally cool and they're like you haven't sort of because we don't know them from before we have no point of reference from them they're sort of arriving as this sort of like absolutely sort of perfect entity in front mm. of us and I'm I'm loving it because I, I didn't I didn't watch um, Drag Race Thailand because um, I, as I joked about on the Meet the Queens because when you host a Drag Race podcast you can take not watching one series kind of as a, as a bit of joy but now I kind of am going to go back and watch it because I'm like she is so good and some of those looks we saw in the little teaser trailer they showed of it are phenomenal yeah they show it's Kenny Cyanide I think who basically burns the dress off her body on the runway I mean like I mean such a moment so there's lots of like real gags like that it's more into the fashion than than like the comedy because I guess you don't really get the comedy but uh yeah there's some fantastic looks um and if Pangina's the head of all them like I'm looking forward to see what her yeah her wardrobe absolutely. has to show we mentioned there about the song and the dance and a gimmick and you know how to sort of elevate it and blue hit out of the park this is how you elevate it is have two sex dolls one tied to your front one tied to your back and that's it I loved it it was it, it was, was great like, it reminded me of of the beginning um montage of bring it on and I absolutely adored it it <laughs> just was so good well done blue was not expecting that perfect. No. God, I hated it. Oh, really? I, I, th- I thought we were going to be agreed on this. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. To disagree with one's new friend. <laughs> Conflict makes relationships well, well, deeper. Well, well, I'm sure there's people listening who hate it, too. So it's your opportunity to voice for them. No, obviously I was gagged when it happened. Um, but 
you know, and like you know, but the visual gag it never it never grew from the instant I saw it. Mm, the song wasn't funny, and the song didn't necessarily refer to what was happening either. And after a while, it just kind of creeped me out. <laughs> and um, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe this is the part of me that just fucking loves Jimbo and the Ham, but can't really get on board with this. I I don't know. It's a taste. Thing, uh, I you no, you know what? You probably are right in that there could have been a few more gags in there, and perhaps like even at one point, if kind of she'd been able to abandon the the other dolls to do like something a bit more solo it might have kind of like like brought an extra element into it um but i just i think for me having seen so many people just do songs and dances to write like seeing something even though it was just a song and a dance just something so different i was like i'm so into this and also bring it on as one of my favorite films of all time so i was just like cheerleaders a bit of bad sort of you know spicy rapping get in i'm getting into it yeah. That both incredibly fair points, and I think I'm just being cranky, so I will, I will wave, <laughs> I will wave my uh, complaints. I think it's like it's like a perfect ninety second talent, which is like it's entertaining enough for about ninety seconds, and then you you put it away and you do something yeah. else you couldn't do for much longer. And yeah, I get your point on the, with the song. I like compared to like Lemon or Pangina, like it could have been a better, more diverse song. It's kind of reverting back to blues old blue jokes like who do we need to blow mm-hmm. like they w- mm-hmm. weren't anything out of the box really um but yeah again it's just compelling enough for 90 seconds so yeah it definitely yeah. worked for me onto the runway you're a winner baby i was disappointed it wasn't a more local based uh category but... same i would have loved to see like monique's take on you know a uk look or something you know mm. or, that would have been gorgeous that uh, actually would have been really fun to like have the have them do representations of other nations. Like, yeah, that would have been really fun. I'd love yeah. to see Monique and Juju doing a UK look or Cheryl doing a kind of a, a tacky Texan. <laughs> yeah, that would have been. I don't. I mean, maybe that's coming. Who knows? <laughs> but for for an opening, what was even the runway brief? It was just you're a winner, you're baby. A winner, so baby. just kind of like your uh-huh. finest moment, I guess. Era. Um, yeah, because I was wondering, was Monique's actually supposed to be her final look? Because, I mean, it was amazing. But well, it let's start with... Like it, didn't it? it did, absolutely. Lemon was up first, and it was like the sort of yellowy gold pageant crown. I found it quite lumpy and oddly shaped. I do see what you mean, yeah. It was definitely trying to go for some kind of... Um... I don't know, Versailles type kind of fitting where it's sort of a bit awkward and jutting out at different mm-hmm. places, mm-hmm. but... Um... Yeah, it was it was beautiful. It was expected. I think it, it reminded yeah. me more of a Blair Saint Clair look than a Lemon look. You know, yeah. Look, I think yeah, it was kind of you know Lemon just kind of showing. Look, I can do all the things that drag queens are supposed to do with my look. I can, yeah, I've got my corset, I've yeah. got my gown, I've got my hair, and it was sort of just like probably ticking the boxes that like Brooklyn Heights had given her on Drag Race Canada, rather than trying to be like, well, what would Lemon bring in front of RuPaul? Um, yeah, she did look beautiful though, obviously. Um, and I'm going to miss her so much. Era, I'm so caught up for her. Like, she's such a talented queen. Oh, and she, she was o- She was sort of overlooked a lot on that season, even though she was consistently a great performer. Yeah. And yet she kind of kept getting this thing, oh, she's just kind of this silly little twink who's sort of a bit full of herself or whatever. Yes. And I think there's so much more to her than she was ever billed as. Oh, completely. And even like in the, like in Canada, like in the workroom and in the talking heads, she was so funny and so clever and like really mm. like brought it in the challenges as well. Like, yeah, she, she didn't really... Like, especially because there was so much of Rita Baggett in that first season. And it was like, we, we didn't need her. We needed Lemon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess this kind of reminds me. Do you remember the sort of John Bonnet Ramsey look that Lemon did on the yes. runway? Which was kind of yes. just like, you know, high socks and stuff. This kind of gave me 
Like, you know, the glow up of that, especially with where the tiara was and the shape of the hair. But I don't know. It was just, I didn't love it. Like the lemon on the boobs. It's just, it was a bit, cl- a little bit lumpy for me. But yeah, like it was okay. Yeah. I think with her, it's like, oh, we know what we're, if she had stayed, we know what we're going to get everything every week, yeah. which is it will be yellow and it will be nice. Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I guess what I'm getting at is I don't think it was enough to save her because I thought her performance was bad, I guess. But um, yeah. That's fine. Monique, I mean, come on. Stun. Oh my God. Absolutely stunning. Like, that is... Possibly the best thing she's I've ever seen her wear. Oh, absolutely. So stunning. So beautiful. And like that Jasmine Masters dress. I was like, she's not going to send me home wearing this dress. Yeah. Which she then did. But, um, <laughs> yeah, beautiful. The colour was gorgeous. The, like, little pop of the red fringe of the wig under the... Oh, it was so, so stunning. Yeah. Oh, and that just big old train as well. Oh, yes. To wear that on your first week... Oh, what else must she have? Like, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My Fantastic. God. And I suppose if she's come in with this plan that she's going to be sort of very queenly, do you know what I mean? And, very, mm-hmm. and not like villainous necessarily, but certainly holding people to high standards. She's clearly come in with an idea of herself of how she's going to present herself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, she's writing checks that her ass can cash, like in, the, in an account like that. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 100%. Yeah, it was just amazing. Uh, Janie JK gave us that sort of Coppers Varofsky type body, you know, mermaid taily look. Um, I thought she looked fantastic in this again. I really liked it. <laughs> I liked it too, but I noted something that the, the runway patter was Graham Norton saying, Copper, feel of that, which I don't really know what that means in, in, in terms of. And then, and then Rue responded with, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I and shall cop a fear. It was literally, it was like, um, you know, that Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns has his own sitcom and he comes in. Yeah. <laughs> and just, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's very confusing. <laughs> now, Baga and her Oscar look, I mean... Does what, what does the garden does the carpet match the drapes? Does the face match the dress? Like what? <laughs> it was just... this was this was this was this was a mistake. <laughs> More of a Razzie than an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! I I did love Ruth Reed about how they weren't going to have to worry about copyright infringement because yeah, <laughs> that was so funny and it made me write down the note. I think RuPaul. Uh, often he doesn't know he wants to do UK Drag Race until he's there yeah, and that was know. the moment he realised he's like, like oh I actually yeah, do I'm like back. this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a bit uncertain on that cherry picker at the start but yeah by, by the time he came out he was like okay I'm in uh, now Jimbo's chest piece curves regal look oh. it was fantastic Love I this. imagine there's going to be a conversation about blackface. Is there going on with what? this? I don't think so. Because Are I you allowed like, to make your face like black, black, black? But I, I think it would, like I think that if no, because it was part of the mask, so it was. Yeah, part it's not of a racial the, profile; it's a chest piece, right? I'm yeah. just interested to see what people online are going to say. But I'm that, sure that's someone. Aside, I'm sure we're someone not people to have will try and start that conversation. Yeah. But like, really, come on. But I have uh, to say, I I loved the look, but I found the like the. The, the black on the face was kind of like there was a bit patchy at some point so th- th- I mean it was gorgeous but that distracted me 
Just her facial expressions the entire time with that black makeup on were so scary. Yes. It was very like Wicked Queen in Alice in Wonderland. Do you know what I mean? It yes. felt it was both glamorous and frightening, but not but fright like not in a like charity case like oh I'm I'm scared it's gory kind of way. It was more like chilling and unsettling or something. Very I just, sinister. I'm just yeah. fucking obsessed with everything Jimbo does. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was wondering was there a way that they could have like matched the the face the skin of the face with the skin of the boobs? Cuz if you made the boobs fully black then you probably wouldn't have been able to see how big they were. But then if you so <laughs> Which I is know. important to him. Yeah. So I don't maybe they used to go gray. So but that that was what I found myself looking at, but it was so striking. It's such like a strong visual like the yeah. second best for me after uh, after Monique. Yeah, absolutely. Say. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, Cheryl with her blonde beehive and star titties and what was that trailing behind her I couldn't work out (laughs) it was like the unfortunate sequel to um, Baga's look do you know what I mean oh my god it was awful it was like they were hired to do like a comedy red carpet commentary do you know what I mean like a a Joan and Melissa thing on the red carpet and they were doing in drag and they were dressed as a thing oh god they were at the national television awards and they were trying to get (laughs) Dermot O'Leary to come over to them so that they could tell him how hot he was like very yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It it didn't hit for me, uh, but sure. Look, there we go. Two stars. Juju, Juju, exactly. That was both a joke and uh, true a rating, facts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Juju B. I really loved the hair, but other than that, I was like, she's wearing this, doing casual gigs on a Tuesday night. Yeah, it was it was yeah. a bit gappy and basic for me, um, and I just think that like kind of. Juju set a new high for herself in the finale of All Stars 5 with that, like, amazing kind of orange, mm. like, sun and goddess gold. look. And to kind of, like, we're right back at sort of very basic Juju looks level. And it's, it's interesting because I'm like, at this point, you've had so much feedback on it. It's a conscious decision you're making. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know she famously didn't get any prize money ever. But, um, <laughs> like, surely she's got some cash, didn't she? Yeah. Like, I just... She's an internationally famous drag star. She's one of the most well-known queens in the franchise, and yet I worry for her finances every time I see her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, she's spending right. it all on her cats. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, her little cat thing. Her little yeah, cat. that's cute. That is Bolero, cute. is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, part of me wonders that Juju B gets like written into her contract that she can't go home first. She was like, "I'm not going to do it unless I can't go home first and she just say because I don't, I don't see her even trying in this week's episode. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. understand it. I'd love. So, I'd, yeah, who it's strange. Someone who tried a lot is Pangina Heels with this Thai-inspired couture. I loved that the Thai alphabet was embossed across it. Like it, it was, it was exactly what you wanted. She absolutely did Obsessed. it. Obsessed. Yeah. yeah, but she, she obviously knew. She's like, I need to really hammer home. I need to bulldoze the competition throughout this episode because I'm coming in as someone who's stepping from behind the desk onto the stage. So therefore, mm-hmm. I need to be like really kind of coming in at a level of like unqualified excellence. Um, and I think she managed to do that because this look was amazing, and I love the little tower on her on her head. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was absolutely. gorgeous, and it was definitely a look that um, shone even more during judging when yeah. the camera was allowed to linger on it, and you saw the details of the earpiece and the headpiece. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is this is not like chicken wire wound around a stick or anything. Like this is a beautiful custom piece. Yes, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, definitely. And finally, blue with her BDSM troll mixed with a highlighter for me. It was quite Powerpuff Girls, but I totally agreed with the comment that it wasn't a winner winner's look. Yeah, I agree. I just nothing blue did. I liked this episode. <laughs> I, I like her, 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 like entrance look. I found kind of was kind of similar to this, like in that it was like over the top and a bit too colorful. Um, and obviously, I know her like makeup has like she does like lots of that over the top, very colorful makeup as well, and it does look amazing in an Instagram post, an Instagram post. But I, I think she needs to dial it back a little bit, maybe, because mm. this look wasn't the best. I predict that. Blue is going to have a very um, Blair St. Clair run on uh, on the uh, her All Stars okay. run where she yeah. was like, "I'm all grown up now." Kind of thing. I with the very sort of self, it's very self conscious delivery, yes. and it doesn't feel like feel like someone who's decided they've matured but who hasn't matured kind of thing. Mm, and it doesn't yeah. feel like she's pulling from a new bank of references. She's just kind of slapping some more color on. You know, I, I could I could see that as well. Someone who's kind of come in and like I've got like this many followers on Instagram now, and like my, my you know I'm mm. popular because of it. So therefore, yeah isn't necessarily going to have gone and learned the tricks needed to... Yeah. yeah. Or even just pulled from a new and more interesting bank of references or, I don't know. I'm unconvinced. Like, like to me, it's if we compare that to the first time we ever saw her on, on Drag Race UK coming out with that coin look, it's just like, that was so clearly some passionate kid who was alone in their bedroom and that was what was exciting about Blue. Yeah. And how this kind of like jaded old slack skank, I'm just a bit like, get, get away from me. Like, you know? <laughs> She's off right, the other so... corner of the club that bag is performing <laughs> <Yeah>. in. <laughs> who, who would be your top and uh, bottoms if you had two, two lip syncers and two in, in, up for elimination? Caroline, who would you have chosen? For me, it would have been Bag and Blue. The up for elimination. Fro- the two frocks, I think it, it would have been a fairer in terms of how people actually performed or actually you know Janie obviously should be in the bottom but whatever mm. but I think her look could have saved her mm-hmm. um, but I think it would have been more interesting dramatically to have two big players two very recognisable yeah. people in the bottom first have the frock destroyers battle it out and try and con- convince the fucking you know Jimbo and Pangina it would have been better television and it would have been fairer judging Interesting. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't have put blue there. I would have put blue in the top because I did love love the gag. Like if there was three tops for me, it was Pangina, Jimbo, and blue. I think I liked those so the I, most. I, I think they got the the tops. Pangina, blue, and and um, Pangina, blue, and I just and wouldn't put Bagger there. Bagger was. I think Bagger was considered yeah. high. Yeah, I, I don't, but that that baffles me. Yeah, yeah. I in the bottom, I would have had probably Baga and Janie to be honest with you. Um, yeah, like I felt, yeah. like, or even Juju. I think if if you're having a bottom three, because yeah. I think like given Juju kind of like a like maybe Juju could be safe in the bottom, but like you know didn't bring it in the song, like really didn't bring but it on the. On, if that was anybody other than Juju B, they would have gone home. I mm. yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. It did it it I really enjoyed this episode, but um it did feel very preordained. It felt like who are the two queens we can afford to lose yeah. quickest. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it, it, and like Lemon and Janie definitely are lesser known things in the franchise. Uh so you know, it just felt like yeah. Yeah. What I am going to be interested in next week they showed Jimbo kind of like whispering to 
to Lemon as Lemon was leaving. Like, oh, I'm so sorry, I couldn't dance better. And I do think that, like, no matter what, like, Pangina was going to bulldoze him. I reckon that, um, that, that, that Jimbo was going to send Lemon home too. I'm going to say that. I think that that is going to come out next week because they wouldn't have shown us that little inter- exchange if there wasn't some kind of a reason. Oh, I think Jimbo would have is, was, would have saved Lemon. But like their their patter in the conversations was so strange with the, let me ask this little umbrella. Oh, you would no help. That. I thought it was so funny. And like all they did was just skip around the stage. It was very strange. And then they fall over Pangina. Pangina not only has to do a kick-ass lipstick, they also have to basically like work avoid around Jimbo. This, yeah, like wrecking ball of like chaos. I know, especially because like Jimbo's huge as well, yeah. and like padded to the gods as well. So huge presence, and Pangina's quite a little person, and like it must have like just. Fucking Jimbo clattering over every ten seconds. <laughs> yeah, like, it was very strange. I thought Pangina was great though. She did a great yeah, job. Yeah, she did. She did a really good job. And like, she yeah, you would make you want to see a Pangina lip sync show. I also, I mean, next week we have a sewing challenge. Not a strong suit. One of the of... British queens has to be going home next week. Mm. I would not be surprised if we said goodbye to Cheryl as much as I love Cheryl. I feel yeah. like Cheryl is the one within the triumphant that is most likely to go because also because Blue is like a solid seamstress knows how to make a good like knows how mm. to make a good yeah. costume. Uh, tell us about Sentimental Garbage Caroline. Uh, Sentimental Garbage is my podcast wherein we talk about uh, the pop culture that we often dismiss as garbage and find a uh, new critical faculties within it um it's currently on break we but we have lots and lots of episodes to go back on we did a uh a whole series about sex in the city called sentimental in the city where we analyzed each season of sex and city for the great american novel it truly was there's also bits on Maeve Binchy, there's Moulin Rouge, there's like, it's, it's, it's basically a whole cacophony of all kinds of female culture, not just the obvious stuff. And you had the pop singer self-esteem, right? To talk, chat about drag race, right? Yes! So that's oh, a yeah. great entrance point for listeners of the show. Yes. Yeah, she was amazing on Drag Race and she basically talked very frankly on how Drag Race like changed her entire life and it was such a, a lovely chat because I think as super fans of the show we can get very jaded about yes. the whole thing mm. and we kind of forget to step back and look at the big picture and this is a show that changes people's lives, you know? Yeah, super. absolutely. Cool, we'll check it out. Caroline, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Cheers, guys. It was a pleasure. Out of all the people we've talked about, some legends in there, like someone like Jujubi, who I love, I found myself the most compelled by Janie J.K. and Pajana Heels. So it's just like, goes to show you how they can catch you off guard. Yeah, like completely. That. Now, I hope, I would love for Janie to guess like a, a sort of a winner's moment because I think that coming out of this week, there's going to be an awful lot of, like I, I would not be surprised if Janie finds herself in for like a bit of a backlash um, like having been sort of someone who was there as the person who got eliminated or who got to stay in the competition when a fan favourite was eliminated uh, and I don't think that's really fair that's the way the competition competition works like this is and you know this is this is the, the, the hand of people tell. I would love her to get like a redeeming arc in an episode over the next while and I think that a sewing challenge might be the one for her to be able to do then I think she'll definitely do well yeah. in it anyway. I don't think she's in danger, so that that's yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, well, we'll be back with you. Actually, I'm I'm off to Paris this weekend, so James is gay Paris. Exactly, James is keeping the pod warm in my in my stead, uh, and I'll be back with you next Tuesday. Um, talk to you then. Yeah, talk to you then. See, you. love you. Bye. Bye. 
This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. 